I think if people want to make something as good as they can make it, you ought to also uh, first uh, look around and see uh, who who is making good product. And in the small meat processor business, many processors are willing to uh, share some tips and talking uh, or, or seeing them make something like that would be helpful. Welcome to Meats Pad, a platform dedicated to sharing breakthrough knowledge that is accessible to the meats industry. On each episode, we will hear from meat specialists and professionals to talk about numerous topics in meat science. This podcast is brought to you by the U.S. Meat Export Federation, the Niche Meat Processor Assistance Network, Ultrasource, the new standard for innovation. FiscoFan is a global leader and innovative partner in the food industry who provides solutions for the casing market. IFA, slaughter and meat processing tools. Hello, me folks. Welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. Today we continue with the very important conversations. Uh, we just had a, 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 a candid conversation on funding, how to get money from uh, the various programs from USDA. And now I ran into Dr. Schaefer, uh, Professor Emeritus at K-State. He's been judging cure meat products for more than 50 years, and I think this was overdue. This conversation was overdue. Uh, welcome. Well, you got, you got me before I died, at least. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't say that. Um, you, were, you were saying, uh, tell me a little about, about your background. A lot of folks, especially new all the new membership at AMP that haven't met you. Um, I would like to give, so you can give a little bit of introduction about your background. Uh, I know there's a lot, a lot of information that you're going to provide us today about how to make a winner product and a, to, just to get an award. So, Well, my background goes back to being a, a growing up on a farm in Minnesota. Uh, some would say Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> uh, early childhood, I remember a, a, a slaughter on my home farm, uh, which would have been the last year of Second World War, 1946. Uh, others of my family came over with a with a steer and a pig, and and as a five-year-old, I remember that. That was not not done anymore. After that, uh, at that point in time, uh, we took livestock to a local uh, at that time grocery store that had a small slaughter uh, facility at the back of the grocery store, which many of the small meat processors currently in existence kind of started out that way, where they might slaughter one or two or three animals a week and supply the local community fresh meat. Well, when I went to college, uh, my uh, older cousin, who's now 95, uh, uh, recommended that I get a job at the meat laboratory at the University of Minnesota, which is where the first meat lab uh, in the whole world was uh, established in 1907. And uh, I was there in 1959-60, and, and I spent two and a half, three years while I was in college uh, working in the meat laboratory there since been torn down, a new one uh, built there in 1965. And uh, the, the next uh, coming year now, uh, the annual reciprocal meat conference of the American Meat Science Association will be held on a Minnesota campus, St. Paul campus. Which was held 
here not long ago. Like yes. Back yeah, in we, June. Yeah, we're, we're in Des Moines, Iowa at the present time for the AMP meeting, but the, uh, the RMC was held here the 75th anniversary a month ago. Yeah, I was going to get you to talk during RMC. was like, I'm going to see you at AMP anyway. <laughs> so um, I really want to talk about your experience uh, judging cure meats. Please tell us how that started. Well, uh, working in a meat laboratory, we did a little bit of curing, and I had other uh, acquaintances in the, the, that early experience that had been working with Sausage Company in the Twin Cities area, so I got acquainted with that. And then when I uh, worked uh, at South Dakota State, Brookings uh, uh, managing the meat lab there for a while while I was doing my master's degree, we uh, had a whole bunch of backed up meat that had been frozen that we didn't have a market for. So I started making some sausage products uh, there while I was a, a master's student, and and we cured meat too. And uh, anyhow, so I've had some experience with that. And then when I got to K State and uh, finished a PhD, uh, my first job or my job was to be extension specialist, working with our small meat processors among many other things. Uh, uh, with livestock producers and carcass evaluation, all that sort of thing, and 4-H kids and what meat cuts come from their animals and those kind of things. But anyhow, working with the small meat processors, we had at that time two classes of cured meats, uh, bone-in hams and, and bacon. And uh, so the first couple of years I was judging, I guess, uh, probably they could bring two hams uh, to make sure one of them was good. <laughs> Anyhow, I think around 30 hams and probably 50, uh, around 20-some uh, bacon, so I'd, I'd be judging 50-some products, which uh, made you very uh, uh, over-salted by the time you were done. Anyhow, so that, that was in 1971-72 when I started... Uh, and as time went on, uh, our processors uh, started being interested in dried beef uh, and uh, uh, summer sausage. They started making more sa sausage things. And uh, now at AMP here, there are 29 different classes wow. of a variety of products. Uh, so anyhow. A lot of progress. I think you Pretty wanted cool. to talk about ham some point. but Yeah, so I, I was going to ask you... What is your fa favorite cure meat product? First, <laughs> well, that would you favorite? Well, I always enjoyed summer sausage, and uh, one of the previous conventions here, uh, I had a uh, uncooked but uh, cured summer sausage from a pr processor in Wisconsin that I thought was the best. Uh, uh, naturally fermented uh, summer sausage that I'd ever tasted. And as it turned out, when we finished judging a class here, we put all of the champions against each other to choose a best of show. And that year, uh, all of the colleagues that had ju judged all the other classes also found that uh, summer sausage the best product of show. And uh, uh, that was kind of a highlight. 
So I, I, I enjoy summer sausage. I enjoy, I enjoy almost everything, e- even Braunschweiger or uh, liver sausage. Yeah, liver sausage. Some people don't like it, but I do. Yeah, especially with all the the byproducts and trying to make product off yeah, of, of absolutely of everything things. everything used, but the pigs, the curl in the pig's tail, and go. they don't have tails most of the time anymore, <laughs> or, or the or their squeal. <laughs> you told me also about the the, the analogy. Like if you if you're a good uh, meat judging uh, meat judge, it helps in choosing your mate as there well. You go. To yeah, I choose the right, choose the right one. <laughs> um, how to make the best summer sausage? And I think it's a very ambiguous question, but maybe you can you can provide some some tips and information for folks that want to enter product next year. I mean, this year might not be, it's not possible anymore, but maybe some broad meat, meat processing tips for folks wanting to either start manufacturing summer sausage, and maybe you can, you can help us from your experience that you have. Well, I think if people want to make something as good as they can make it, you ought to also uh, first uh, look around and see uh, who who is making good product. And in the small meat processor business, many processors are willing to uh, share some tips and talking uh, or or seeing them make something like that would be helpful. Uh, there probably are some uh, online um, uh, what do I don't know all the uh, ways that Instagram or something. Uh, yeah, ways a lot, a lot that of you social could, media and, and you, on, on the website. You could access some of those sorts of things, but then you have to kind of eva- evaluate. Well, what what looks good? Because if it doesn't look good first, m- many people are not going to be attracted to it, and so. Uh, when we evaluate products, the first thing is the appearance of the product, and that might be the the combination of meat and fat that's in a product, and the distribution of it so that it kind of uh, looks appealing. And then most of our processed meat products are going to be smoked. So uh, as simple as good stuffing and and a and a good clipper can help you out a lot. Y- it? Yes, all of yeah. And it just it just looks. The mission of USMEF is to increase the value and profitability of the U.S. beef, pork, and lamb industries by enhancing demand for their products and export markets through a dynamic partnership of all stakeholders. Simply put, USMEF is putting U.S. meat on the world's table. Since 1883, Ultrasource has been a trusted supplier to the food industry. Ultrasource provides superior kill floor, processing, packaging, and labeling equipment and operational supplies. Having good equipment to be able, if we're talking summer sausage, to be able to stuff it well in the casing and then to have it in a good smokehouse that can apply smoke and have humidity at the right time and all of those other things. There's a, there's a lot that goes into making a top-notch product. Um, we were earlier going to talk about uh, curing hams. Well, I said the first thing is to find a good pig because uh, if you're depending on the bone-in ham and the shape of the ham, uh, there are some pigs that would probably come from uh, the jungle <laughs> or uh, 
wild wild boars that don't have the same muscle structure and and shape and size that uh, would be quite as attractive as some of our modern pigs. And this is this is a good topic. So selecting a good carcass confirmation, a good a good it, pig. If so we're talking whole muscle things, yes. What are some of the tips for, like, say, I'm I'm slaughtering and processing 50 pigs a day, 100 pigs a day, and I want to select that pig. That's a bony ham that can't have an award. To, yeah, to be a competition one, because I mean, you're going to use them all. And they probably all will taste good if you if you do all the things right, but if you want a competition one, why you want nice nice shape, just like a beauty contest, uh, uh, to have some uh, full full muscle uh, structure that uh, is appealing to the eye. Like like what what could what would be something that you will focus on when selecting that right carcass? Uh, just simple, simple thing. Well, uh, some uh, a confirmation of the. I mean, if you were talking about cattle, which some people might have a, a wider range of shapes, a Holstein cow uh, is is uh, is produced uh, only for its milk production, so you're not worried about its uh, muscle muscle size or shape. And they're kind of angular, have a lot of, uh, they're, they're tall and big boned and uh, wouldn't be uh, what you would choose for the shape uh, to be in a, in a competition for meat production because uh, their, their main function would be for milk production and you're not uh, looking for a, what I'd call a beefy uh, structure uh, like the beef breeds that we, uh, we raise. Well, similarly in pigs, there are different uh, varieties of pigs. Uh, almost all of them that are used for meat production, domestic meat production, are pretty well muscled. But when I started working with uh, uh, pork producers and the pigs that they raised, the, uh, the loin eye sizes, the pork chop muscle, was uh, sometimes less than three square inches. Well, that now we have a lot of sheep, which are smaller animals, that have uh, larger ribeyes than that. Mm -hmm. And so they had very uh, inadequate muscle. And at that time, pigs were raised not only for meat, but, but for the fat. And uh, as time has gone on, we don't want our meat animals to be as fat as they used to be. It used to be for lard production. We didn't have soybean oil and all the other vegetable oils back uh, uh, 60 years ago. Now we do. So we don't need fat on animals, not a lot. We need a little to make it taste good when it's cooked. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we wrap up, I, I, I think you mentioned we talk about boning hands. We talk about mm -hmm. summer sausage. I like to talk about bacon. Mm -hmm. And and following up on the a uh, good good carcass, mostly for like a breed that is it's made for for meat production. Tell us about bacon. How how do you select a winner or, or um, a product that it's worth putting for a competition for bacon? Well, it should have a fair amount of of muscle in it, but the main reason that we have bacon is uh, to fry it or microwave it. And uh, the fat is what gives it flavor. In addition, we also smoke 
bacon so that it gets the smoky aroma too. And uh, uh, like with ham, why you'd like to have what I'd call a meat-type pig. Well, in presenting uh, bacons for competition, I was just uh, visiting with uh, uh, Dr. Bobby Dandler, who is judging a class uh, as we uh, just before we uh, came in to record this, and uh, he was talking about some of the ba- ba- bacon's that are being presented, and they're being presented as a whole slab. It would be before you would see it sliced, like most people would see it in a package, and uh, the slabs are being. Uh, presented uh, overly trimmed. And he says, well, that doesn't really make much sense. At this point in time, bacon is a very profitable item and very desirable by many people uh, in all kinds of uh, food and and, uh, even on uh, tops of of, uh, hamburgers. You get a slice of bacon on it or you get uh, bacon bits and salads and all kinds of things. Anyhow, the point being that uh, anything that you can present as a uh, as bacon uh, makes you money and you shouldn't over trim it because you're trimming away a, a fair amount of the profit of making the bacon in the first place. Yeah, even even one one card that it wasn't that wasn't meant to be on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can it can get you, you some points deducted, and also on the price wise, right? You have to right. be very uh, strategic well, in how you cut it because you can lose money. Yes, ex- exactly. And and over trimming them uh, before you make the bacon is not a profitable venture. You ought to use everything that can be called a bacon as bacon. As bacon. Thank you a lot for your time. I think this is this is uh, this has been this has been great. Uh, there's a lot of more information that I'm gonna get back to you. Kind of wide ranging, but it, yeah, for f- my career of fifty some years uh, plus, uh, it's been a good ride. There's been a lot of interesting uh, things that have uh, happened, and a lot of fun people to get acquainted with, and it's been fun. What would you tell to Dave Chafer back in 1970? Like if you were able to do that right now? Well, looking back, uh, I think of the several forks in the road that one could take, and I could have uh, been drafted into the service rather than going on for a master's degree, and I'm sure I would have ended up in a... We spent two years in India as a meat specialist back in the late 1960s, and uh, we've toured several places in the world since then, uh, and uh, the folks that we've gotten acquainted with and the things we've seen wouldn't have happened if I hadn't worked in the meat laboratory way back 60 years ago. Any tip for new meat scientists, new grad students that are starting in this business? Well, fortunately, people enjoy eating meat. Not everybody, but many people eat uh, enjoy eating meat, and so there's a market for it. And there's a need for uh, bright young people to figure out uh, how to keep the industry profitable and, uh, and successful. And uh, you don't have to grow up on a farm to do that. You can come into it a variety of ways. But a good way for many people is through 4-H or FFA in high school. 
and then to follow through some in college and uh, people that uh, also get business degrees uh, can learn about meat too if they want to. It's an exciting field. Absolutely. A good time to be in the meat industry. Yep. Thank you, Dr. Schaefer. I appreciate all you've done for not only for us right now, but for all the industry, meat industry for all more than 50 years of service and, and helping and, and being supportive. Thank you all for your time, and we'll see you We'll see you soon at K-State. All right. Thank you, Francisco, and uh, on over and out. Thank you.